In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus says, friend, who made me a judge over you? Arbitrator. Which is funny in a way because I think God sent Jesus to be judge over us. But really what Jesus is saying is this is I, I can be judged, but not over these things. Because right now, money is not actually a problem. The problem, as we'll hear in a couple chapters, although you already heard it in Lent, is the parable of the prodigal son, right? Where that parable is, there's a bigger problem than the estate, the money. There's, Jesus says, things are already bad enough for you. I didn't come to make them worse. Money, land, and in the Middle East, land has always been a source of contention. Things haven't changed much. I didn't come to talk about how your wealth should be divided. What we're talking about here. How your wealth should be divided between you. And so Jesus said to them, and by them, that means everybody else, the whole crowd. He said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Which once again, we, you know, we say this all the time. We know this all the time. This is beaten to us since early Sunday school. But that's not the way that it was. The way that it was was if you were rich, that meant God blessed you more. You obviously are doing good things because God has given you good things. And so Jesus is counteracting those. And He says again, and He begins to tell them this parable of a rich man who his land produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what should I do? I don't have any place to put all these crops. And so he was in a dilemma. And he begins to think. He said to himself, self, ones in there I will store all my grains and my goods and I'll say, you have plenty of things laid up. Take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. It's very sad. It's very sad in, in a number of, of ways. One, not the least because he's, al- he's already rich and he has a bumper crop and he doesn't think, well, maybe I should give some of this to the poor or maybe I should... Because as we might well know, there's really nothing great that you do in order for you to have a good harvest after you do some of the things that you do, right? You can plant the seeds, you can till the soil, you can do all these things. And then, it's up to the weather. It's up to God. It's up to, you know, in some ways, just luck, right? A lot of times, whether you're going to have a good crop or a bad crop, and praise you, Lord, for all that You've given me, for all that You've provided, for these many blessings, 
or I need to, to share this with the community. It's, what am I going to do? I don't have a place to put all this stuff. Now, I've just moved, and I know how that is, because I'm looking at all these boxes, and I don't have a place to put all this stuff, I feel like. And, but, so what are we going to do? We can give some away. If you need boxes, but it's a very sad also because the conversation he has about this is just with himself. He doesn't have anybody, and he, and he, and he does have somebody. I mean, that, this, is, this is the culture. He has a wife, and he has children, and he has relatives, and he has people. It's, it's not like he's just living alone, but they're not involved in his life. He's not, he's not with them. He's, you know, this is, this is the Middle East where, where all the men gather at the gate and they just begin to talk all day long and all day long. And he has nobody. He's isolated himself. He's built himself a silo, so to speak. His wealth has created a vacuum that he lives inside a prison that, is, that has cut himself off from everybody else. And he's content to be there. And so his dilemma is, self, what should I do? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. And this is not just um, a, a reality of, of action. It's not just um, a, a good plan. This is Jesus also weaving in prophetic language. This is Jeremiah's call. Right? This, is, this is what God's servants do. This is the language of God. Of what God does when things aren't right. And when things aren't right, God tears down the old structures and builds up something new. And so for Jesus to throw in this for the rich man, it's not on accident. He's saying, I didn't come to be nitpicky with the wealthy about which brother should have more. And the parable ends with, you're worried about how much wealth you're going to gain, how much more wealth you're going to amass in today. And in many ways, what this, what this is, is the, the language that Jesus uses in the parable is, God says, today your soul is being reclaimed. In other words, your soul is on loan. Guess what else is on loan? Everything else. It's all a gift from God. Your soul's a gift from God. Your life's a gift from God. Your wealth is a gift from God. These other things are more important and you've missed out. And this is what St. Paul's saying to the Colossians. Right? He's saying, when he's saying the same sort of thing, store up things heavenly and not things earthly. And it's interesting in the ways that he, that he begins talking about it. Set your minds on the things above, not on things below. Put to death whatever is in your earthly nature. And it's interesting that setting our eyes on the things of heaven don't just involve sort of religious trappings. They're not just go, to, go say your prayers and study your Bible and go to church and give your offerings and all these other things. Or they're not just that. In fact, 
In fact, you can make the argument that that's not it at all. Instead, it says, take care of yourselves with one another. Rid yourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, and abusive language. This isn't things that we direct toward God. These are things we direct toward one another. The ways that we set our eyes on heavenly things and of things that are above are the ways that we interact in our relationships with each other, with community, with God's people. This is the, the invitation. And some, some years ago, I, I went on retreat, just sort of like a personal retreat to, a, to our Spiritual Life Center. And I picked a book off of their library and, and went back and took it to my room to read it. And, and it was a book by its title that I thought was going to be really good. It didn't, it didn't do whatever it said it was going to do, but that's okay, as books often do. But there, in, inside of it, there, there, was, there was a chapter or verse or passage that, where he's talking about the great commandment. Love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And in the conversation, he's saying usually we rank those like in hierarchical order. That we're to love God and then to love neighbor. Right? And, and the author said, this isn't really what that that word means really it means love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and not second is like unto it but it really means another way of saying it is love your neighbor as yourself so love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind strength or another way to put that is love your neighbors because in loving your neighbors yourself you're loving god and i would that would have it was nice it was interesting and it would have like passed on except the next day, as I'm still there, I went to a service at the, at the Spiritual Life Center where a visiting bishop from the uh, armed forces was there delivering a service with veterans who were suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and, and other things. And he said the exact same thing in his sermon. Another way of saying it is love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so this, will, this may be the only time I make you endure that whole entire ser- story. But it won't be the only time you hear me say is another way of saying yourself. Because I think in some ways we have to do away with that and unpack that, that somehow loving God and loving each other are two separate things. They're not. It's the same. James says it, you know, you, you can't sit around and say that I, that I love God, but I, don't, but I don't love my neighbor. You have to do both. And Jesus is saying that in this parable. He's saying, I, you know, your relationship with your brother is already divided. I didn't come to rip it to shreds. That's not why I came here. And Paul saying, set your mind. Stop worrying about the things of this world. As we enter into this uh, walk together, is how, how do we live this out? We can build right, a grand church. We can, we can tear down this, this barn and build bigger barns, you know, right? We could be a mega church. We could have the biggest budget and the biggest thing if we if we want, if that's our if that's our end goal, not 
speak in abusive language and, and slander and, and be loving and gracious and kind and fixing our hearts on the Spirit of God that rests in each one of us. And then not just us, but how do we serve our community whether they ever step foot at St. Matthias. May we love the Lord our God with all our heart.